0: you are you getting a haircut anytime soon? I want to. But
1: man. I'm also banned from doing that as well. I'm surprised you haven't just brought your own clippers. No, man. My hair is sacred. Only one man touches my hair. That's my barber. <laughs> she uh, she asked me if she can cut it multiple times, and I'm like, fuck no. I'm not to have to shave my <laughs> entire head and look like a fetus. I don't want that. You ever shaved your head before? Two babies. Mm-mm. Never shaved my head before. Yeah, let's do it. I couldn't maintain it, man. All the stubbly ugh, disgusting hair yeah. coming up there. You gotta get the wax. Mm. <laughs> like uh would be Steve like
0: no, just Jordan. What the
1: fuck? Steve Carell? That's who <laughs> you Play think of Jordan. for a bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh, but I thought you meant when you get the wax, you gotta like cut off first and you wax the rest of it. No, nah, man. No, nah, just the wax to shine it.
0: Oh. oh, that yeah. wax. Oh. Yeah. We can be like Walter White. Let's leave a mustache. <laughs> pretty dope. I just got to get the hat. <laughs> okay. The Heisenberg, Heisenberg hat. Berg. What
1: a weird name. Fantastic name. It's so powerful. He's like a boy. Record. I'll just name him Heisenberg.
0: You should. Heisenberg Cohen? That's hype. It's a pretty jewish name too
1: got the bird yeah. one yeah yeah it's not bad oh, and i guess his short form name would be heise heise or heise yeah that's pretty good actually <laughs> hit him with the heise <laughs> <laughs> Heize. hesitation oh yo! call your kid
0: heidenson heidenson <laughs> oh Ooh, nice <laughs> shirt
1: peter oh
0: Ooh. Very nice. Got those hoop dreams.
1: Where'd you get that?
0: It's actually a Canada basketball shirt. Oh. Really? Yeah. I've had it for a few years. You're repping it because uh, Wiggins uh, committed to Team Canada, eh? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, he did. Like, yesterday, two days ago? I didn't hear about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Team Canada, after Dylan Brooks went off, he's like, oh,
2: got to get in on this Dylan action. Man. Yeah, it's like a... <laughs> I can't be the eighth best Canadian player out there anymore. he got to be fifth. <laughs> yeah.
1: He might be lower than that, actually, honestly. Really? I mean, Say. if you count, like, if the, if the guards played, I could probably put him behind door too. Yes. Oh, you mean, like, after eighth? No, after, like, the first five. You said, like, he'd be, like, the fifth best player. He'd probably be, like, the sixth or seventh, maybe eighth best player. Yeah, I'd say like eight. Yeah, that's fair. You know, you running run you away real quick.
0: Yeah, a Murray, Shea, Dort, Olenek. Yeah, yeah. O- Olenek's guess. definitely better. Come on, get the fuck out of
1: here. You see those Houston numbers? Olenek and the contract here. <laughs> Imagine Wigan on the- Wigan's on that team. I think he would have put up like thirty plus a game. Yeah, only twenty percent shooting. Well, yeah, horrible true shooting percentage.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. And oh, Olinick gets Andrew Wiggins, so I'm done with that talk. Olinick is better. Olinick gets grandfathered because he's committed to like every Team Canada tournament ever. Yep. Ken Birch is better than him. Co- or Corey Joseph. Oof. oof <laughs> ah, but the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: and,
1: much. Uh, nah, Nah is better than him. Oh, Nah is definitely better. RJ Barrett. Yes, Lou Dort.
0: Uh yeah. Oh, Chris Boucher. Oh, yeah, by far. He's Roger's neighbor.
2: Exactly. Neighbor, huh? Montreal Nord.
0: <laughs> well What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter
1: Tran, and On The Line... At the Iceman himself, Josh Cohen, how you doing? Greatest time of year. The playoffs are here. I'm excited. It's fun to watch playoff basketball. Like, just hook the Knicks and the Atlantic games up to my veins. It's incredible. The atmosphere. I mean, Clyde with uh, all of his different sayings, Mike Breen. You got to switch the feed, obviously, to the New York feed, but I've really enjoyed it so far. (laughs) Okay. Uh, anyways, continuing with our
0: introductions, the banger in the paint, our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia. How are you feeling?
2: Uh, you know what? I'm uh, excited about the playoffs. Maybe not as excited as Josh on Hanukkah, but uh, I, I, you know what? I, I've had some uh, some rough predictions, but you know what? Uh, like Tai Liu, I'm, I'm just not concerned. You know, um, I'm gonna, I'm just going to go on this podcast, and uh, I'm gonna go and do this without any pressure.
1: The playoffs is my Hanukkah.
0: (laughs) Wow. Do you make love to Hanukkah too? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: six months early.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, unfortunately, Josh, we are not going to talk about the Knicks-Hawks series, even though it is probably the best series right now because we're recording on Wednesday, and by the time this comes out, it'll be a different game. So it's too late. Instead, we will talk about well, Raj already alluded to, this atrocious LA Clippers team getting spanked on their home court two games in a row. They're down to against the Dallas Mavericks, led by somewhat MVP candidate, you know, maybe top five, maybe top eight candidate Luka Doncic, who at twenty two is well, he might be the best twenty two year old ever in the league. Uh, you know. There's obviously a few guys out there that might that might be up for debate, Magic, LeBron, whatever, but Luca's pretty damn good. Uh, so Raj, man, I just want to get into it, you know, is there any way the Clippers come back from this 2-0 deficit?
2: Do they win some games on the road? I- I'm going to first have to stop you here and apologize to any Mavericks fan because I was completely not on this bandwagon. I wasn't even... I, I didn't even think this team was going to make the playoffs. Um... But we're going to talk about... Houston's better. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I'm not concerned. Uh, But yes, the Clippers can come back. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But uh, they can come back. They have the right tools. And they haven't been been playing horrible offensively. Just defensively, they're a complete mess.
1: Yeah, like they've thrown everything at Luka and Carlisle. And Dallas just surgically removes every point of their defense it doesn't matter what they do like later in the games they've been um you know double teaming Luka and the Mavericks just put one player in the middle of the floor at the nail and then they set up a four on three situation they end up with a wide open three or Chris going to the rim cutting the dunk it's been very impressive to watch
0: I don't understand so w- when you have a team with two of the best perimeter defenders in the league Paul George and Kawhi Leonard how is it that Luca is still able to uh, essentially carve up the defense uh, like single-handedly? Right, like obviously Luca has, or uh, obviously Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. have had big games, but it's still pretty much Luca doing whatever he wants out there. Like Josh, how does this work? Why why can't they stop him?
1: I think Luca has been watching LeBron tape once LeBron started losing a bit of his athleticism about two or three years ago where all he did in the playoffs is matchup hunt. And that's exactly what Luca has been doing. You know, it's it's a very basic style of game. You still have to have all the moves available to be able to take advantage of those matchups. But if you have Zubash on the floor, he's just picking on him every time to try to gain that switch if that's the way the Clippers are playing it. And if not, if they're going to drop, Luca's going to get in the paint, shoot his little floaters or get all the way to the rim and use his body. And then if Beverly's on him, um, he just trucks him to the rim and goes Boris Diaw style and slowly backs him down until he gets to the basket. So no matter what you do, he has an answer for it. You can't keep Kawhi Leonard on him when you're you know, doing a high pick and roll or a double screen on the ball, where he has to get around two guys to get to him because it just doesn't work that way. That's just not the way basketball works. It's not a one-on-one game. And uh, Luka's just a master at it this quick in his career, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, like it's crazy
2: how easily they're able to get whatever matchup they want um. Obviously, they pick on Beverly and Zubac, but even Morris, like he's a step slow, and Luca's be able to just blow by him when he wants. Uh, he doesn't get pushed around by Morris, and even the Clippers' last game, they've tried to go under a few times, and Luca's been just killing them with the three. Um, and it, there, there's just a few players that the Clippers really can't play because they don't give them the defensive versatility they need, and the Clippers are a defense that would like to switch everything but when you have zubach beverly and morris and luca likes any of those three guys on him like luca's gonna have a field day and those guys are starters like we got to get into Lu and the the lineups and kind of what's been going on because honestly i'm scratching my head and i don't know how you come out and say we're not concerned like you're trying to play cool and those are some famous last words I'm surprised we haven't seen more Ibaka, right? Like we saw him in the last
0: couple of games in the season, so you would expect him to come out and at least have more than, you know, like what what did he play last in game two? Like six minutes? Like what the hell? Why why is Zubac playing twenty two out there when Ibaka's only out there for six? Like I get he's still coming back from injury, but you know, you gotta you gotta at least put him out there just to see what kind of lateral movement he has, right, Josh? At least at least put some kind of pressure out there.
1: Yeah, I think he has a minutes limit, but at the same time, like you said, you need to see what... Because he's, he's quicker than Zubac. Zubac is a good player, just he's not quite ready for this type of matchup, obviously. And, uh, you know, the Clippers, like you said, are playing pretty good offense. Like Kawhi scored 40 last game. PG had like 28, 7-6, and 6, I think. But some of the other guys haven't really stepped up the plate, but at the same time, it's again, it's not the offense, it's the defense that's been giving them problems.
2: Yeah, just also, like again when when you look at kind of the Clippers lineup they were a very hot team when Beverly was injured and obviously Serge was still injured with the back spasms but they had a good rotation going they had Reggie Jackson and then Rondo was really playing a lot of the crunch minutes as a backup point guard but now that Beverly and even Ibaka's back and Morris as well like their whole lineup is just off and then then you have a player like Luke Kennard I'm not saying that he's going to be playing like huge minutes but He's got two DNP's and he gets sixteen million dollars a year, and um, the players that you're playing um, are just getting destroyed. Like it's there's like no resistance for the Mavericks. Whatever they want, they get. It's nice getting paid to ride the bench, man. I
0: mean,
1: Luke Kennard probably has the best job in the NBA right now. All you do is chill, wave your towel. No, but- no, no. That is a hundred percent wrong. The person with the best job in the NBA right now is Joe Harris. It's not even close. Oh, you're right. You're right. At least he gets. Imagine playing being time. that you're good right. of a shooter, and you have three guys around you that just get you the ball in situations where like there's never a hand in your face.
0: You're right. You're right.
1: I take it back. That's
0: my bad. That's my bad. We'll get to the Nets after. Um, Raj, I got to ask you this because you're such a proponent for teams tanking the last few games of the season to get better to get a better lineup. How how bad is this karma for the Clippers right now? Being a team that's never established anything never won anything thinking that they could suck their way out of the Lakers uh like line of view i guess right losing to teams like the rockets and the thunder the rockets the allegedly best team in Houston and then you know they come out just and just lay out two absolute stinkers with the worst defense we've ever
2: seen against this Mavericks team how bad is this basketball karma you know what? The Rockets might be the best team in Houston, but that's debatable. Um, but uh, I think the, the karma is definitely there. I still think it was the right strategy. I, I, I think more times than not, it works out. <laughs> I'm going to you know double down on this, and I know we'll talk about another series uh, later, the Bucks heat. But ultimately, it's just about performing. And to be honest, the Mavs have played amazing on offense. They're getting enough stops on defense. They're not turning the ball over like crazy. Uh, And and they're just outplaying the Clippers. But overall, um, if the Clippers can fix their lineup, it's, again, not on the offensive end. And um, they just need to kind of get a a more balanced lineup and also just throw a a few different looks. Like, I know they put Kawhi on uh, Luka and then they put PG for a few possessions. But, like, I, I still think there wasn't enough... Variability and kind of what they were attacking Luca with and giving him different looks, and I would like to see that. And honestly, if, if they have to win both games um, in Dallas, like if
1: this series comes back to LA and they're down three one, like they're in trouble. So two things here. First of all, the basketball gods don't look kindly on teams that tank the last two games of the season, as we've seen, proving Raj wrong once again. And second of all, <laughs> I'm the not reason concerned. why this is happening is not because of the basketball gods. It's because of the Clippers' curse. And I thought that this might be the year where, you know, Kawhi is a free agent coming up. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on the team. They have to win this year, you would think, right? Like, why would Kawhi want to stay with a team that's going to lose in the first round of the Dallas Mavericks? But this is the most Clipper thing ever. They've lost six in a row in the playoffs now, <laughs> right? And... They have the first two games at home against a team that you would think they match up pretty well against, having so many guys that could switch on to Luka. And here they are giving up 34 threes in the first two games. Can't guard anybody. And different guys on Dallas' team have stepped up. Like, the Clippers' strategy overall isn't that bad because they are giving up the shots that they really want. Like, you're giving up, like, Cleva was started 5-for-5 last game, right? He's hitting pull-up twos, you know, contested threes. Um, like Jalen Brunson hasn't really gotten off yet he's probably their fourth best player but Hardaway's been hot as hell Chris Tapps had a great game last game anyway and uh, different guys are (laughs) stepping up so can you rely on that every game on the road I mean maybe in a static environment where the Clippers have no fans right and then you're going to go into Dallas that has 15,000 fans they might get swept I mean
0: I would just, just like to say that I think this Clippers curse is led by bad karma
1: Maybe they induced the curse on themselves, you know? Something happened in the 1970s. Like, I don't know what they did back then. They must have, like, killed a goat or something. Sort of like what happened with the Chicago Cubs way back in the 1900s. No. They what sold was that, like team, a billy goat
0: or something? They, they sold the team to Donald
2: Sterling. That's when the Clippers' curse got real. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Last question before we move to another series, but what should the Clippers' lineup be? Like, the most the lineup in the clutch or the lineup that really can stop the Mavericks. Cause I really don't think Pat Bev does belongs in the starting lineup. And I don't think Zubac and honestly, I don't even think Marcus Morris does either.
0: I'm okay with Morris, uh, but I think you yeah. got to put in Terrence Mann and like Sergi Ibaka more. Like I'd, I'd run Ibaka out no matter what at this point.
1: I think you have to start Rondo. Honestly, like he's a guy that gets him in transition and he brings a lot of energy and like in the first game, even though know, Luca had his way, there were certain possessions where like he was really pressuring Luca and making him uncomfortable. So maybe you can get a bit tired so come the fourth quarter, he's not dominating you. Yeah, and and I obviously think they, they need to
2: make sure that they get Luka Nard some minutes just for like energy and scoring.
1: Why? Alright, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're saying that the Clippers have a defensive problem and you want to put the worst defensive player on their team in the lineup. Hey, you know what's probably better than Pat Bev because he's a na- not a net negative on offense. I don't know about that. Like You thought that Luka was uh, hunting Zubach. Imagine what happens when Canard comes in the game. Oof. How, how about Reggie Jackson or Batum?
0: I'll take Batum. This is a pro-Nicholas Batum podcast. We'll definitely take him over uh, Marcus Morris and over Pat
1: Bev. No doubt. Yeah, start Batum. Hashtag start Batum. Yeah, yeah start Batum at the five. <laughs> KP's not going to body him. Who cares? I mean Kawhi was playing the five in the fourth quarter yesterday, so yeah. either him or Batum, it's the same thing. So what we've
0: established is we want Rondo, Batum, and either Ibako or
2: man.
1: I'm starting man.
2: You know what? Y- you know what angry. they could do- they could do Reggie Jackson, Rondo,
1: Kawhi, PG, and Batum. I don't like the Reggie Jackson part of that. <laughs> I, don't I don't think mind anybody it. does. I don't mind it. He can still shoot. That's all he can do, but I don't mind it. I don't know, yeah, man. They, they showed a stat during the game where I think if Marcus Morris had uh, 10 plus points, the Clippers were 28 and 8 on the season. And then the other games, they were like uh, below 500 team. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe the key is Marcus Morris. Who knows? So everything relies on Marcus Morris
0: is what you're telling us. Maybe. That's cool. I'm okay with that. I like Marcus Morris too.
1: He's been trashed the first two
0: games, so maybe he'll step up to Dallas. They have no continuity, man. I can't believe we're spending this long on this series, but they literally have no <laughs> continuity. They haven't been healthy all season, and like yesterday, there was one play where Ibaka and Rondo both yelled at each other because they didn't switch on a pick and roll. Like the, these are two of your best defenders, who you both who are both new to the team, right? Ibaka didn't play most of the year. Rondo was brought in after or like around the trade deadline. And it just goes to show like, there's zero continuity. There's zero chemistry right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really hope it's a sweep. It'd be hilarious. Even though it would go against all of our predictions. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Let's move on. I want to talk about the Lakers because in Game 1, we saw an absolute no-show from someone who everyone in the league has like, at some point or another referred to as a top-five player in Anthony Davis. Uh, skill-wise, he's definitely a top-five player. Attitude-wise, probably not. Because a top-five player can't have an absolute stinker in a playoff game. Not something that bad where, at points, I literally forgot Anthony Davis was on the floor. And he was there. Like, he was less relevant than Andre Drummond was. Somehow, someway. For the Lakers this year. I never thought I would see it. But he came back. He had, He claims responsibility. You know, it would be nice if you were responsible during the game, but whatever. Did his post game shots, and then game two just came out to to absolutely destroy the Phoenix Suns inside. I think he went to the line like twenty times in game two. All that to say, Chris Paul still out with a stinger. Uh, it doesn't look like himself out there. The guy, he looks like he can barely dribble. You know, like after you work, like you have a really heavy workout day, and then you try to get some shots up, and your arm is like flailing as you're shooting. It looks like that when Chris Paul is shooting. So. Uh, I don't know, man. It's hard for me to see the Suns have any, have any hope without Chris Paul being healthy in this series, right? Uh, Josh, is there any way that, you know, do you just rely on Chris Paul getting healthy? Do you, do you just play Cameron Payne more because he's apparently the other CP on the team? Like, what do you do with this?
1: You know, I was really hoping to look at the schedule and see that Phoenix played three days from now instead of two. And unfortunately that is not the case. So it's hoping he get at least three days of rest, but it's not looking that way. And I don't really think that they've announced what the, the actual injury is, because if he's not coming back in the game for a longer stretch than I think it was two minutes in the fourth quarter last game and not doing anything, then it's obviously pretty serious, which is really disappointing. Because I think if he actually played and he was healthy, the series probably goes seven, you would think. Because it's a pretty tight series. Even without him, they... You know, oh, yeah. they were pretty close last game. It was 91-91 with six minutes left.
0: Yeah, and then the Lakers turned it on. That was that was a damn shame. Raj, like, how how do you do Like, what is a stinger? What does this actually mean? Because it looks like, I don't know, as someone who's obviously never done anything medically related, it looks like there was some nerve damage because it looked like he got hit, like, right on the neck. And then he, like, went down instantly, so
2: I don't know. Yeah, so basically a stinger is, it's an injury where one of the nerves, uh, there's a variety of nerves that are coming out of the, the spine, um, either through muscle um, or even through like a narrowing from an injury. If it's a fracture or if there's like a slip disc, um, the nerve gets impinged or like pressurized or squeezed. Uh. So what probably happened with him is he had that motion where he got hit by his teammate Cam Johnson accidentally and he twisted his head back and probably one of the muscles probably the scalene muscle uh, impinged the nerve and what ends up happening is you really end up losing motor function and also sensory function so you might feel a little different you might feel like you know when you kind of sleep on your hand and you wake up and yeah. you feel your hands a bit heavy and you feel a bit numb but after a bit of a time it comes back it's probably like that but it's a prolonged injury Um, But the thing with Stingers is usually they heal pretty well, especially if this is like an acute thing. It's not a chronic. So honestly, I I really am hopeful that he's close to 100%, at least by game four. Uh, Obviously, uh, it would have been nice if he had an extra day of rest um, on Thursday and they were playing Friday. But you know what? If Phoenix is down 2-1 going into game four and Chris Paul ends up coming healthy, I don't think the series is over. But um, you hate to see him go down obviously with the injury when he was playing with the Rockets it's it's a different series when he plays and he makes that team really tick He's uh, he pushes them over the edge
1: yeah and even like in a situation where um, you know he's obviously injured in the second quarter in the third quarter while he was in the game he wasn't effective but he was still Chris Paul on defense at least and it made a difference like the Glakers weren't pouring on the points because he just knew where to be on every possession. And he knew I had to get the team into their offense as well even though that's basically just give Devin Booker the ball at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's not trying to overdo it. You know, he's not taking like 10 shots with a broken sh- When he shoots two it looks like he's throwing the ball now. He's flailing his arms just to make sure the ball gets to the basket and it's hard to watch. Yeah. He
0: had that one shot over AD yesterday which is was, was kind of nice. That little baseline jumper from like 10 feet out. He put, like, crazy arc on that thing. I don't even think he knew, like, how much he was actually shooting, but it looked pretty good at the time. Nothing else looked good, but at least that one shot looked good. Uh, so what do you do now? Do you just, like, I mean, losing that kind of floor general is obviously going to be huge for the team, right? Do you try to run him out for Game 3 to so do the same thing and hope that, you know, that Devin Booker can carry the team, or do you rely more on Cam campaign to carry more of a workload josh like i mean what what kind of options do you even have
1: you ask chris paul what type of uh tranquilizers and medicine he's comfortable with (laughs) um juicing himself with and then you shoot him up with whatever they can just to make sure he can actually put his arm um you know above shoulder levels so he can take a few more than five shots in the game and if you can't do that then yes you got to rely on campaign because they don't really have any other source of offense. It's basically pick and roll with Booker or pick and roll with pain at that point. You're not gonna go down at DeAndre Eden for post-ups because he doesn't really have an advantage down there. He's more of a pick and roll guy anyway right now. So you got to hit a lot of threes on the road, and that's pretty much their only hope. yeah,
2: and like of course, with the injury, I don't think pain is the main issue. like i I don't think Chris Paul's like agonizing in pain. It's more that, is just the because the nerve is impinged, you don't have the same function. Um, so uh, I, I personally think they should run him out, kind of like they did with this last game. Uh, try to get him as many minutes as he can. Um, but if he's a net negative, like if the Lakers are cheating on uh, on any plays or segging off of him and really doubling Booker more, I think you got to put in pain and shoot your shot. But again, Paul has a big influence on the defensive end. Um, he's also just knows the offense a lot better. He probably is still capable of passing pretty well. I didn't get to to see y- yesterday's game, but um, I, I personally think if Phoenix is down two-one, it's not like the end of the world. If if Paul can be a hundred percent going into game four or close to, so th- that's what they have to look at. Like you know what, this isn't winning Thursday. It's getting to Sunday, which is
1: what five days away now. So they have a they have some hope. That's true. That's a good point, actually. Like maybe the play is just to sit him out this game, and then hope that you know you get the variance play. Try to take fifty threes next game. (laughs) Try to hit twenty of them. Maybe maybe get a lucky win. And if not, then you have Chris Paul. You know, five days rested.
0: Yeah, it's probably the best idea at this point. Have you have you guys noticed that LeBron seems like a little bit slower than usual? Like Raj, I know you mentioned you didn't watch game two, but even in game one. I'm, I'm so used to LeBron just taking over in the playoffs. And then every time I saw him going against Cam Johnson or, or Mikhail Bridges, who are both like good defenders, don't get me wrong. But he just doesn't look like he has that explosiveness
2: right now, right? Like, he just looks a little bit off. Yeah, well, I watched Game 1, and, and he, he definitely looks... Uh, like, he just looks like he came off an injury, which he did. And obviously the ankle was probably, with the groin, now his second major injury in his career um and it just takes a while to gain a, a bit more trust in your body and i also think he's kind of saving himself like a little like putting it into fifth gear or giving it 100 like he needed to against golden state and i think he played perfectly there um and i i personally think that he's trying to make the his teammates better he's trying to get ad more involved kcp shots be a floor general and Um, when he needs to take over the game, I think he will. So I'm not concerned about LeBron.
1: He's, he's built like a a tank. Yeah. And LeBron's still the smartest player maybe in the history of basketball. So even in yesterday's game, he was just controlling the fourth quarter. Sort of like what Luca did against the Clippers in that, you know, he was posting up at the mid post. He was hitting a lot of like fadeaway shots, which is what Phoenix wants ultimately, but he was hitting them in the fourth quarter and then when phoenix started coming over a little bit he made that pass to davis who hit that three so it's pick your poison with him even when he's not at a full 100% he's not going like full steam in the basket he's still getting where he needs to get to yeah okay
0: you guys saw that clip of lebron yelling at kcp for not shooting the ball you see
1: that? That one I didn't see, but that's oh. per you know that's best that's per usual with LeBron in the playoffs. Whether it's Chalmers or I guess KCP is the scapegoat yeah. now.
0: It, it was like uh, he did like one of those cross court uh, passes to KCP on the wing, and then like it was like like way late in the shot clock. KCP passes it to Schroeder, who like banks it off the side of the backboard, and LeBron like instantly ran over to him like yelling at him for not shooting the ball. And all I could think of was just LeBron wanting to pad his stats. The whole time, <laughs> like, why didn't you? Sh- why didn't you pass the- shoot the ball when I passed it to you? I don't care if you pass it to somebody else. What are you doing? Give me my assist.
1: Yeah, he's probably like seventh on the all time assist leader um, leaderboard um, in the playoffs, and he's probably behind. Let's we'll say he's behind like John Stock. He probably brings that up in like the conversation too. He's like, I'm I'm a few assists away from getting you know past this guy. What's wrong with you? Man, shoot the ball. Yeah, but. Uh, Yeah, that's that's part of the course for LeBron, right? Like, he just, he knows everything. That's classic LeBron. He He probably
2: was like, you don't want to end up like J.R. Smith, right? So, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you can do what I say. True. World champion J.R. Smith. Two-time
0: world champion J.R. Smith.
1: Well, I mean, KCP and J.R. Smith have something in common from yesterday's game. They both scored zero points.
0: Oh.
1: Really? KCP didn't score? Damn. I think he was over 4 yesterday.
0: Wow, he really should have shot that ball. Moving on. The Nets are up 2-0 against the Boston Celtics. Pretty much what everyone thought would happen with this series. The big three are the big three. Uh, Josh already talked about it earlier. Joe Harris seems to have the easiest job in the world shooting open jumpers. And I think he was like one of the best true shooting percentage guys in the league this year already, right? Like a top three, top five kind of guy. I mean, so to have open shots against uh, just a a woeful Boston team who does not have uh, Jalen Brown, I mean, Kemba and Marcus Smart are there, but meh, they're not really going to do that much work. Jason Tatum left game two with an eye injury, never came back because what was the point when you're down 30 in like the third quarter? Uh, Are we just calling this a clean sweep, Josh?
1: Yes, we are. And it's it's hard to watch, honestly, because you know Boston can't keep up with them offensively, and they they played a pretty decent defensive game in the first uh, in the first game, and Brooklyn only scored hundred and three hundred and four points. And usually, if you hold them to one hundred and three hundred and four points, you're gonna at least be close, and you should be able to win that game, you would think, because most of the time Brooklyn's gonna score hundred and twenty on you. And then the second game, Brooklyn just brought everything together, and it just all made sense, you know, like. They really caught a rhythm in game one in the third quarter, where all three guys were just taking turns. But in the first half last game, um in game two, everything came together in a flow, not just like which guy's taking a turn in this in the offense. So they looked unbelievable. And their switching defense is working so far. They're basically playing like Houston ball on defense from when Harden was on the Rockets.
2: Yeah, this team's unstoppable. This is just an unstoppable team. Like they're they're like a machine that's gonna get oiled up. If LeBron is the tank, they are just like the I don't know what they are, but like they're like the Terminator. Like they are gonna <laughs> Yeah. This this team has too much talent. They're playing a Boston team that is has a lot of top end talent, but nothing beyond that. And this is gonna be a sweep and the Nets are gonna get some rest. They're gonna be able to figure things out and they'll they'll play the winner of the next series we're gonna talk about yeah, screw Boston they don't get they don't deserve any more time.
0: Let's just go straight into this uh, bucks and heat series and literally the only note I sent this to you guys earlier. The only note I have in here is what up Raj? What up Two oh bucks boy. Oh, you know the what, Bucks I'm not concerned. Weak. The Bucks have weak players. Giannis loves loves <laughs> oh, pressure. Oh, come on, man. Where are you at? Where are you no, at? no, let's,
1: let's hear this. He's not concerned. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not concerned, right? Famous last words. But um, uh, and You know what? Miami almost took game one from them. I think, obviously, we're ignoring the fact that Ma- Milwaukee shot five for 31 from three, Um, and also Jimmy Butler and Bam were like combined like 25%. Uh, They they had
1: 23s in Game 1.
2: Okay. No, Milwaukee shot 5 for 31, I believe.
1: Oh, in Game 1? Yeah. Yeah, what I'm saying, like, Miami shot, like, 20 for 50 in Game 1 on threes because they couldn't get any offense inside the three-point line, and they still lost. Yeah, but also, like, if you look at Bam
2: and Jimmy Butler, they shot, like, 25 or 26% overall. Like, obviously, like... The game was a lot closer than people remember, just because the last, the second game was just the Bucks really took over and they were shooting lights out. Like if the Bucks play like that, I don't even think Brooklyn has a chance. Um, but ultimately, like I still think the right thing to do is not to play the Heat because even though this looks like it could be a sweep. There could have been a chance of this game, this series went to seven games, and I think Milwaukee would have had an easier path against either New York Knicks or the Atlanta Hawks. But you know what? Besides the point, um, Bam has just not been playing well. Um defensively, he's uh he's been his usual self, but I think offensively, like he's hesitating to take even shots at the elbow. Um even his little hooks are are kind of rattling out. Um and he he played very poorly yesterday. He was four for fifteen. Um, and honestly, they need better production from Bam and Butler, and it's hard when Giannis is on you. So uh, they have some, they have a lot of questions to, to answer.
1: I think the uh, defensive awareness of the Bucks, and you know, Budenholzer has actually done a good job in the first two games and actually putting the right guys on Jimmy Butler, um, whether that's Holiday or when Tucker comes in the game, he's on him, just giving him different looks, and then Giannis has been on him at times too. And he shot nine for thirty-two, I think, in the first two games. So, yes, they've shot poorly, but if you actually like if you've watched the games, it's like there's a reason for it. Like, it's not just them missing. They're playing off Butler this time and not going over screens and letting him get in the paint all the time. And they have a bunch of dogs that are like, you know, hounding him the entire game. He doesn't get a break. He's not getting his little, you know, matchups against uh DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton, because you have guys in Holiday, Giannis, and Tucker that are willing to do the work and, you know, go under screens and chase him around and make sure he doesn't get in the paint to shoot 20 free throws a game.
0: I heard this on uh, the Bill Simmons podcast when he was interviewing Ben Thompson, who's like a major Bucks fan. And he described it perfectly. This That Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe trade was not only advantageous because they got the better player in Drew, in, uh, Drew Holiday... But they also eliminated a player from the other team in Eric Bledsoe. Pretty no much. No longer playing four on six. And yeah, I mean, this getting Holiday on this team is, is one of the biggest things that they could have asked for, right? Like, we've talked about it countlessly all year. Drew, Drew Holiday is that kind of defender that no one wants to go up against, right? He knows how to run the offense. They're actually running Giannis pick and rolls with Drew. Instead of just Giannis, here's the ball at the top of the key. Go bulldoze some people. Like, they're actually running plays. We didn't see any of that in the last two se- two seasons of Milwaukee basketball. It was always just, here, here's the ball. Go run point guard. Go run point center or whatever you want to do out there. And then everyone else hang out in the corners. Chris Middleton occasionally get the ball. Now they're actually running sets. And Giannis doesn't have to handle the ball as much. They actually have ball handlers now. It's a, com- It's very different from last year. And...
2: Yo, This Milwaukee team is going to be nasty, Raj. I'm telling you. You know what? They're going to run into the Terminator uh, in Brooklyn <laughs> if this continues. But uh, honestly, I think you hit the head um, when you uh, mentioned Drew being just such a big influence on the team. He's just a smarter player than Eric Bledsoe. He's capable of shooting. He knows how to initiate the offense. And the fact that the point of attack is different for Milwaukee is one thing that I recommend all fans look at because you can see that it's not just Giannis dribbling it up and having to create something for himself. Like they're giving Chris Middleton, drew holiday opportunities to create, um, put Giannis in favorable positions and positions where he doesn't have to make big decisions. It's Giannis, you're getting the the ball on the post and you're going against Goran Dragic. Like you just got to beat him, get to the rim and finish. And instead of Giannis having to dribble it up, get the pick, look for the switch like, look for the pass. Like, it's a lot of thinking for Giannis, especially if there's two or three people or a wall built around him. So, you know what? Credit where uh, I'll give Bud some credit where it's due. But you know what? The job's far from done. If Miami ends up winning one more game, I think uh, this could be a longer series.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Miami wins game three, maybe. But I think the Bucks have reached a breakthrough point. I think they've figured it out now. And I I mean, Tyler Hero has been absolutely abysmal. He's one guy we haven't talked about yet. Drogic was good in game one. Nobody was good in game two, obviously. But they need to get some of their guys going and find ways to get into the paint and get easier looks and get more free throws. Um, So Spolster is going to have to get creative now because this team looks like, you know, they were just team bubble at this point.
0: I know. I wonder if they end up using like a Hero Robinson backcourt, like they did so much in the bubble, just to get some floor stretch or uh, some floor spacing, right? Because even right now, if you're using like Kendrick Nunn out there, he's not the same kind of threat that Tyler Hero is. Or if you use Dragic, I mean, that's about the other kind of shooter. But Dragic isn't isn't the same kind of knockdown shooter that you expect Hero to be. And then I mean, maybe do that. Maybe not have Trevor Ariza play 38 minutes a game. That that might help you know he's obviously not he's not washed but hey, he's not the same kind of defender he was when he was younger
1: I, I think the one thing they have to do is just put bam on Giannis and then roll the dice at that point because they, they haven't really put him on Giannis that much so far like Ariz has been taking a beating i feel sorry for him <laughs> and they've been trying to build a wall against him but uh the bucks have figured it out i think and uh Maybe if you can just single cover Giannis with Bam, you can cut off a lot of their offense and then maybe get in transition.
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of the tactic they have to go for is like maybe let Giannis go for 40 or 50, but really limit the other scoring because you can't let Forbes or Drew Holiday or even um, like Brooke Lopez get like 15, 20 points. That's how the Bucks are really going to beat you. I think we need to see more Dwayne Deadman in this series.
0: Dwayne Dwayna Deadman at the five to cover Brook and then uh, just have Bam on Giannis. Might be better than Ariza, you know?
1: <laughs> You're going to have a really tough time scoring when you already had a really tough time anyway, right? Yo, Deadman can... With just, those two big guys in the floor. Dedman can spread the floor, though, man. That guy can shoot threes. Corner threes. Yeah, just because he had 20 points in a blowout loss doesn't mean he can score.
0: <laughs> he was 8 for 11, though. Come on, man. 8 well, for 11, one of two from three?
1: I'm not impressed.
0: Neither am I. I'm just, um, I'm reaching here, man. I'm trying to give them something they can use.
1: I want to say right now, the Miami Heat are dead mon walking. Wow. Thank you.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right, then. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Shall we move on to this uh, Nuggets Blazers series? I mean, tied 1-1. Dame had, I think he had like nine threes in game two. Almost carried the Blazers to a uh, to at least you know a somewhat competitive game, but I mean Jokic was just too much. Jokic had I think 38 points compared to Dame's 42 that game too. But I mean it looks like the Denver guards woke up in game two. I I don't even know what to say about this series. I mean it's been lopsided either way. So I don't know, Raj, where do you see this going at this point?
2: Seven games. Um, I, I think both teams have their, their positives and negatives that they can take away from the first two games. Um, but one thing has to be said is Jokic is easily the MVP of the league. There's no debate. Uh, if you look at this roster and you take any of the potential MVP candidates for this year, I don't think you get the same results that you did uh, in the last two games. Jokic just makes the other players around him better. And overall, that was a huge win for Denver. I think uh, if they can come back split 2-2 from Portland, then uh, I'd actually like their chances because they're playing at home and they're a tough
1: home team. I still like Portland in this series just because I don't think Denver has enough guys. And I said before the series started that Jokic would have an average, uh, you know, like 35, 15, and 10. And he's pretty much up to that point besides the assists. But I think that's smart on Portland's part to try to take out the other guys and just try to make him go one on one against Nurkic, but even despite that, he's still putting up thirty-six and twelve so far. On ridiculous percentages. So he's just that good.
0: Yeah, I mean he's not bad. He's definitely not bad. The Nuggets in game one shot eight free throws. Just to show your their you know their type of aggression, their like complacency. Obviously I'm gonna blame the refs a bit because I'm a bit of a homer. In game two they shot thirty free throws. Like, what a disparity. What the hell kind of change is that? Because, like we've already said, Jokic is Jokic. He's going to be aggressive the whole way through. And the game plan for Portland was literally just to let him score all he wanted and hope that he didn't get anyone else involved. right? We saw that in Game 1. Aaron Gordon didn't really score that much. He didn't cut. MPJ was pretty cold, given everything. And then Game 2, like it sort of all fell together. And, I mean... Personally, I think one of the biggest things is having Monte Morris back on the floor, so they actually have another ball handler, that's not Campazo. I mean, I like the guy; he's gritty. He shouldn't be playing 35 minutes in a playoff game. You know, like, that's just the way it is. Dude's like five foot nine. He shouldn't be d- having to
1: d up Dame that much. But, you All know white it? guys or short white guys that play hard or gritty. <laughs> he is gritty, yo. Uh, Raj, I was telling
0: you this during game two. Campazzo is literally Matthew Dellavedova, but not as dirty, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. He's the Argentinian Matthew, Matthew Dellavedova, but I, you know what? He's he's played really well, and um, he's he's actually gotten, uh, I think, in their head, he's gotten uh, a few uh, the, the flagrant one on McCollum, even though it probably wasn't a flagrant one. It just shows that he's an aggressive player, and honestly. Um, I think it all really comes down to the secondary scoring for Denver. If you're able to get around 40 points uh, from the bench then I think or 30 to 40 points from the bench, then I think you have a shot in most of these games. But you're looking at Millsap, Jama Green, uh, Monte Morris and Howard, who's uh, actually surprisingly got some minutes. If they can get 30 to 40 points you have a, you have a, a shot in this series. Otherwise I think Portland like Josh Benson is probably in the
1: driver's seat. Yeah, they need Will Barton or PJ Dozier back in the worst way. If one of those guys comes back, I might change my pick, but as of right now, they're just.
0: They don't have enough dudes. I think Dozier is out for the series, right? If I recall correctly.
1: I don't think that's been confirmed. It just said that he has no timetable for return, so.
0: Uh, that's usually a bad sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that's... But Barton might come
0: back, so. Hopefully. I mean. Yeah, I like we we went into this knowing that Denver didn't really have much guard depth, right? So they're really relying on just whoever can,
2: well, just Jokic,
0: whoever he can get involved. So I guess we'll see.
2: And and one thing just about Composo, like he's actually had some filthy assists, and he's getting other people involved. Um, so you know what, I I think the alternative of playing Composo less is probably uh, playing Howard, and
1: you know what, I take Composo's minutes any day over that. Yeah, you still need the guy that knows what he's doing on defense to be in there. And even though he's getting lit the fuck up, he's still not getting discouraged. He's still playing just as hard as he was in, you know, the start of game one. And it's tough to do that when a guy like Dame is just shooting over you every single time. And then last game, they switched Aaron Gordon onto on Lillard in the second half. And Lillard was doing the whole Doncic thing where he was trying to match up hunt against Campazzo. And any time came onto him, he just did a little step back and shot it over. him Every time, and still swished it. So, feel sorry for uh for Faku.
0: They actually put uh, Shaquille Harrison on Dame at the end of the fir- at the end of the first half. That was when he like slowed down. It worked. Yeah, just energy and a long defender, man. Composo has got to be one of those guys that has a negative wingspan, right? He has no arms. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why it's negative. <laughs> He's like Luke Kennard He's, He's got half a arms Luke got half a la Rouge arms Man, there's like three guys in the league who I can confirm have negative wingspan It's Campazo, Luke Kennard, and uh, J.J. Reddick What do they all have in common? Yeah, yeah They all have hot wives? <laughs> hot wives? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know I've never seen Compazzo's wife <laughs> Yeah, I don't know We'll see This Denver series, I think is Other than the New York-Atlanta series I think it's going to go the longest i mean i think they both go seven games but i think it's the funnest one a couple of uh big wins but i think it's i think it's one of the funner series definitely funner than washington philly that's for damn sure
1: and hey, that first game wasn't that bad
0: fuck out of here <laughs> come on man i mean the
1: boston brooklyn games have just been ugh, oh you're right that's is, that watch. is by far the worst series to watch oh yeah yeah
0: do you guys want to do quick predictions for tonight's games, even though uh, this will release after the results are out? Philly-Washington tonight. I think we're all going to say Philly at home. Yeah? big Yeah, win. Philly by a bigger margin. Probably 12 so, to 15 th- points. I was going to say 12. Agreed. Uh, Atlanta, New York. Fun series. Fun series.
1: I mean, I really hope the Knicks tie up the series, because if they don't, they're in big trouble, obviously. And we're all hoping the series goes to seven because this, these teams are pretty evenly matched and they have such differing styles, which is what makes the matchup so great. I mean, we've talked about it before with the NBA, like too many teams run the same sort of like pick and roll, um, kick the ball out to three-point line type of style, shooting 43 as a game. And it's fun to see like a different kind of uh, game style, um, game plan against those types of teams with the Knicks who just grind teams to death. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna, I'm going to... You want the Knicks, but your heart's saying the the Hawks, that's what I'm
1: hearing. I hope the Knicks win, so let's go with the Knicks. Okay.
2: Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh Alec Burks doesn't play as well as he does, and uh, I hate to say that I'm the same way as Josh, but I think Atlanta's gonna pull out a bigger win, probably five to eight points. Wow. wow. I think the Knicks are gonna so win by the
1: series by... is not going seven then, huh? Oh
0: no, Knicks, baby. Knicks tape tonight. Knicks by eight. Uh, Watch. Julius Randle's going to come out. He was pretty quiet in game one, right? He's going he's gonna to have a big game. He was today. awful. Yeah, He's going to have awful. a big game tonight. Awfully. <laughs> uh, now, the, the matchup that we've all been waiting for. Memphis versus Utah. Memphis stealing game one. Not even stealing, man. They took game one. They deserved it. Dylan Brooks, Canadian legend, Josh, took game one. But now Donovan Mitchell's back for Utah, and they might have a complete team all over again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be tough for Memphis to win this game. Obviously, if they do, it'd be super impressive. And we might get another, you know, Memphis San Antonio back in the day where the eight seed surprised the one seed because they match up so well with them. But the weird thing in the first game was how well um, like JV matched up against Gobert. First of all, yeah, it was weird. Like, and also, Favors completely outplayed Gobert. Yep. So if that continues to happen, it's going to be interesting to see if they just go with that or if they just continue to write out their defensive player of the year. Yeah,
2: this is a, this is a tough one because I'm obviously Utah, I think is the better team, but the fact that Donovan Mitchell is coming back after several weeks off and I think he's going to be a bit rusty and he's going to put up a high volume of shots and that kind of might throw their offense off balance and, you know what? The Grizzlies are, are really hot. So, you know what? I'm 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 going to say the Grizzlies Woo. in like a one point win. Ooh! Wow! Jeez! Hot take. Wow, Josh, you like thought you like chaos.
0: Right? Just just <laughs> blowing this thing though. up. My goodness.
1: I mean, if only Phoenix beat the Lakers without Chris Paul in the second game, oh, that'd have been so sweet.
0: Man, you guys just want all chaos.
1: Like that would have been awesome. Both LA teams down 0-2 and then the number one seed down 0-2. That would be perfect.
0: Imagine if the teams that advanced in the first round were Memphis, Dallas, Phoenix, and whatever, Portland or Denver. Both are pretty small markets, right? Imagine just taking out the two major markets in the first round and Utah. That would be big. That would be crazy. You know what
1: happened then? The NBA would explode. Now Adam Silver would be making a call to his secretary being like, Hey, get uh, Steve Javi or whoever's the head of officials on the line. Need to have a talk here. <laughs> Are both L.A. teams down 0-2? <laughs>
2: the
1: hell's going on here? Adam Silver's going to push for a mid-playoff tournament just so L.A. teams can be relevant. <laughs> yeah, like a comeback I mean, tournament. he probably made that call after the game one with Phoenix and the Lakers since Anthony Davis shot 21 free throws last game, so. Yeah. There's that.
2: Yep, 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 yep.
0: All right, anything else, guys, before we call this? Any final notes? No, nothing. You gotta love
2: nothing. NBA basketball. It's like yeah. uh, it's like a different sport.
1: Yeah, the playoffs are completely different. You can just tell with the intensity and like the physicality, especially and what the referees are letting go in most cases. Besides the Phoenix Lakers oh, game s- yesterday, but s- I digress.
0: Speaking of refs letting things go, the the flagrants are way too much, man. The two flagrants in the Denver game two series game. Uh, Anthony Davis kicking Jay Crowder in the nuts. Rudy Gobert flopping on the sidelines. Like, c-
2: come on, man. The thing is, the refs are allowing it, so now the players are now hunting for flagrants. Like, it's a free two points if you're if you can put yourself in a vulnerable situation where you can deceive the refs for
1: the benefit of your team, and there's no consequences. Why not? Yeah, you're, you're basically describing what LeBron did in the fourth quarter of game one, where he got tied up with Chris Paul and then threw himself to the ground and then pretended like his shoulder exploded. <laughs> what a joke he that was. He can't oh see. He God. sees
0: three whenever he shoots, you know? He can't see anything when he's shooting the ball.
1: Yeah, clearly. Oh, LeBron. What a guy. And then in the fourth quarter yesterday, there was a play where like um, they ran like, a dribble handoff and then LeBron was away from the ball and Mikel Bridges like gave him a slight little nudge and he threw himself down like three feet from Mikkel Bridges. <laughs> and as soon as he saw the referee wasn't going to call it, he just got right back up and then ran right back oh, to him. That's
0: a, Oh, that's like, oh, man. So embarrassing. LeBron's been watching a lot of Liverpool games, Raj. Is that who he owns? Liverpool? I think they're
2: trying to... Yes, he does. It's uh, Fenway Sports. But you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up to the play-in idea, but the, the flopping, you leave that in Europe.
0: Yes, please. And on that note, I'm going to call it here. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Hit us with those with those reviews. Hit us with those five-star ratings on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. All the major podcast platforms. You can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.